You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. Well, today we want to do things uh, a little different. If you've been to Grace Covenant any time at all, there's pretty much an order of uh, service that we follow every Sunday. But today, because we're going to be talking about worship, we wanted to kind of reverse uh, the order a little bit. Usually it, we have a time where we're declaring the greatness of God through song, and then, um, and then I bring the message. And so today we're going to break that up a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for me because usually the worship guys do their thing and I get whatever time's left. And today I get to do my thing and they get whatever time's left. So it's kind of neat to reverse the order of that. But as we've been in this series, The Waking Dead... Because uh, we are a movement of the dead coming to life, right? Okay, thank you. We are a movement of the dead coming to life. And we are the waking dead. And in this series, we've been talking about how do we live our lives fully alive in Christ? Because I believe that God desires for us to thrive, not just survive. He doesn't want you to be like in survival mode. Well, I'm just trying to make it. No, but God wants you to live fully alive in Christ, to embrace the fullness of all that he has for you. So we've been talking about how do we live that out in our lives? Last week, we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person, the Trinity, embracing that in our lives. Well, today we want to talk about... Um, another activity, another avenue through which we can live our lives fully alive in Christ, and it's through worship, through worshiping God, through uh, opening our lives to more that God has for us. There's a conviction that I live with that holds me, um, that runs deep and kind of directs the, the process of how I do life, and it's this conviction. I, I happen to believe that God's waiting on a human invitation. To bring that to the greatness of who He is in our lives. And that happens through the process of worship. So God's waiting on us, the created, to respond to Him, the Creator, so that He can manifest His greatness in our lives, bringing us fully alive in Christ. That's why worship becomes so critical. I happen to believe that it becomes one of the keys to us living in the fullness of all that God has for us. It's the key that gives us entry into Think with me for a moment this morning. Let's, let's say, imagine with me, um, let's say that there was a very wealthy man, like wealthy, 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 like really wealthy, and he had this massive estate. And this very wealthy man invited you to come and like look over and enjoy his massive estate while he was going to be gone for three weeks. In his massive estate, he had like really fast cars, a garage full of them. He had fast boats, had a refrigerator stocked with food. And basically he says to you, hey, I want you to come kind of look out for my place and I want you to enjoy all that I have. Here's the code to the gate and here's the key that gives you entry into my home. How many would know that's a pretty sweet deal, right? Drive the car, ski behind the boat, enjoy the food. But the key is critical because it's the key that gives you entry into the home. Without the key, you don't have entry into. So it's the key that allows you to enter into and enjoy all that this wealthy man would have. If you can think of worship, worship is the same. What does worship do? Worship is the key that gives us entry into the fullness of all that God is and the fullness of all that he has. That's why worship is so critical for us as believers. Matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalm 100 
writes it like this, Psalm 100, verse 3. The scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So how should we enter God's presence? I'm going to give you the answer so you'll be ready, okay? I know you've been snowed in for two days. You've been watching way too much TV. Now we're interacting. This is not just you watching something on the screen. We're interacting. How do we enter into the presence of God? Through through thanksgiving and praise, or praise and thanksgiving. That's what the Scripture says. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and praise. And it's that that brings us into the fullness of God's goodness. I mean, the Scripture goes on there in Psalms 100 to talk about God's faithfulness and God's greatness and God's goodness. What that we enter into, how? Through, Through this mode of worship. So again, that's why worship, I would say, is the key that gives us entry into. So as we think about living fully alive in Jesus, worship is not like some optional activity. Like here's this list of activities, and I get to choose, do I want to do worship or not? And I'm telling you, the problem in the body of Christ today is we have too many believers who have chosen not. And as a result of that, they're not living fully alive in Christ. Why? Because worship becomes the key, the entry into that fullness. And so if individuals say, you know, well, I, I just don't feel like worshiping. Well, you just made a decision that's keeping you out of the fullness of all that God has for you. So again, this is not like some optional activity. It is foundational to us connecting with God and experiencing God's work in our lives. Now, now let me say that, that worship is so much more than singing. Oftentimes when we think of worship, we think of, well, we, we sing. And singing is a means of worship. So I don't want to take away from it. Throughout the scripture, we find singing being a means of declaring God's greatness, of connecting to God. But worship is more than singing. You can worship through solitude. You can worship through giving. You can worship through serving. You can worship through reading your Bible. You can worship through loving your wife really well. Wives, you can worship through loving your husband really well. I mean, worship happens in so many different ways. So worship is not just about singing. It's, it's, it's really about our heart response to God. So what's worship? Worship is, is this. It's a point of surrender of my life to God. Actually, interesting, one of the words that we find in the Greek New Testament for worship means to bow low. To bow low. Or to bring myself submitted, to bring myself surrendered. So when we think about worship, worship is about surrender. It's about bringing ourselves submitted to God. One of the ways we can do that, obviously, is through singing. But that's not the only way. It's not the only way that we open our lives to the fullness of God. Again, it's really about a heart response to God. Looking there to your notes this morning, worship is God's gift to us for our blessing and our benefit. Listen, God doesn't need it. We do. We need worship. Why? Because worship, again, it's the key that gives us entry. It's the way, it's, it's the way we connect. It's like plugging into the power outlet. How many of you know if you have a power outlet at one location and you're doing a project over here and you need power over here at this project, there's a way that you can get the power from the outlet to the project. It's called an electrical cord. Are you with me? Or maybe you call it an extension cord. 
If you've got a project going and you need electrical power at the location of the project, you can go over here to the power source. You can plug in the electrical cord to the power source. Then you can run the cord over to the project, and now you have power at the place of the project. The electrical cord becomes what? It's the carrier, right? It's the carrier of the power. So what's worship? Worship is like that. Worship is the carrier of the power of God bringing it to our lives. But we must be willing to plug into the power source. Worship gives us that opportunity. Dr. Jack Hayford says it so well in, in a book called The Manifest Presence. If you have not read the book, I would highly recommend You need to read The Manifest Presence. I think maybe one of the best books ever written on worship. Manifest Presence. But there's a statement in his book. I want to share with you. I think it's there in your notes this morning. It's on the screen as well. Listen as I read this. Worship, Dr. Hayford says, Worship is the avenue through which we access the fullness of God's power, the richness of His nature, the authority of His office, the wealth of His resources to establish our identity and determine our destiny. Now, if you agree with that statement, and I happen to agree with the statement, if you read that statement, you have to say, wow, worship is pretty significant. Like, this is pretty weighty. It gives us access to the fullness of God's power, the richness of His nature, the authority of His office, the wealth of His resources. Like, wow. And when we begin to understand the significance of, the value of, worship, then what? It becomes that of a motivator to motivate us to worship beyond just Sunday morning. And we, we, we oftentimes say, uh, and maybe even you had this conversation in your, in your home this morning, um, the wife says to the husband, are, are we going to go to worship today? Are, are we going to go like to Grace Covenant and worship? And, and the husband says, absolutely, I want the adventure of being out on the road, Right? <laughs> And so you decided you were going to come to, and we called this worship. When we, we went to Grace Covenant and we worshiped, and you did. I, I'm not making light of that. But here's the challenge with that. In our Western culture today, we have restricted and limited the concept of worship to one day a week, and it happens to be Sunday morning. And if you're here at this hour, it's at 11.15. And in our minds, we think that's when I worship, and this is how I worship, and this is where I go to worship, rather than understanding worship in our lives should not be about a day, it should not be about just a particular place, but worship should be about how we do life. Worship should be built into the very rhythm of our lives. Remember, I love the way G. Campbell Morgan makes this statement. He says, the worship of the sanctuary is meaningless unless it's preceded by six days of worship as a way of life. In other words, when we come here on Sunday morning to a corporate gathering, it should just be an overflow of what's happening all week long in your life. Sunday morning should just be a continuation continuation of what's been happening on a daily basis, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You've been living a life of worship under God, and you come here on Sunday just so we can celebrate together. It's not just about a day. It's not just about an hour. I think the call is the call to us as believers. If we're going to live our lives fully alive in Christ, the call is to a lifestyle of worship. And that worship is how I live my life. It, it directs the process of my life. That's what Paul calls us to. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
It's on the screen this morning. I, I would like for us to read this together. Would you, would you read the text with me this morning? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want you to notice the strength of how Paul starts the first verse. Verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, what, to live your lives as living sacrifices. To live your life as worship unto God. To bring yourself humbled, submitted, surrendered before God as this, as your act of worship. See, every activity of life can be transformed into an act of worship when you do it for the praise, the glory, and the pleasure of God. And the Bible says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's another passage of Scripture that says we should do our work as unto the Lord. In other words, your work, whatever your work is, your work has the potential to be worshipped to God when you do it in a God-honoring way. Paul says here, present yourselves as living sacrifices. Again, what we bring, we're bringing ourselves and we say, God, here I am, here's my life. This is my worship. This is my worship to you. A good question, I think, for us this morning is, well, why do we worship? I mean, Paul says, bring your lives as worship. Why do we worship? I, I think first, first we worship because God's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. He deserves our worship, and He's worthy of our praise. He's the King Eternal. He's the Creator of the universe. He's the Almighty One. He's holy, and He's righteous. He's the Supreme One. Listen, He's worthy of our worship. Now, why do we worship? We, the Creator, worship the Creator simply because He's worthy. So the first question is, is why, why should you worship? Why should you even think about a lifestyle of worship? Why? Because the Creator's given you life. I think a second reason, Paul, Paul says, notice, if you look back to verse 1, it, Paul says, I urge you in view of God's mercy, or because of God's mercy, or in light of God's mercy, because of what God's done for you, Paul says you should worship. So let's think about God's mercy to us for a moment. Here's the reality. Before God intervened in your life, in your world, you were lost and without hope. You were on your way to hell. You deserved death. And we were dead. And we, we, This series is the waking dead. We were dead. And God in His love brought about a rescue plan. He sent His Son into our world to die for us so that we might live, that we might have life. We can trade death for life. It's kind of like you, you were condemned, you were guilty, you were on death row, you were about, your life was about to be taken. Like God stepped in, He intervened, and He gave you a pardon. He declared you not guilty. He wiped the slate clean. Was it because of what you deserved? No. And we don't want what we deserve, right? Man, I don't want what I deserve. I, I want mercy. What's, mercy is getting what we don't deserve. What God took our sin, 
He took our death. He took our penalty. He gave us life. What is that mercy? Paul says, because of God's mercy, because of his rescue of your life, you should worship. You should bring yourself submitted, surrendered, presenting your life to God in worship. But it doesn't stop there. Paul goes on to to talk about transforming our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. See, God didn't just rescue you. He didn't give you mercy and rescue you just to leave you on your own. If you're wondering what that is, it's eyes sliding off the roof. It's not like a bunch of little elephants running around on the roof. (laughs) Some of you were wondering, I wonder what that is. It's like, is the roof going to fall in? It's not going to fall in. So you can not worry about that, okay? But what God, God's committed to transforming our lives. So He didn't just rescue us. He's committing to refining us so that we can enjoy the goodness of all that He has for us. Listen, this is what I know about God. God is always working for your good. Always. He's always working for your good. Paul says, because of that, man, we should worship. I mean, we have a God who's working to bring about His greatness in our lives and for our lives. He says, because of that, because of that, well, we should worship. And as we worship, again, it's the key, it's the entry that brings us fully alive in Christ. So in the couple minutes I have left, as I wrap this up, let me talk with you about what happens when we choose to worship and how it brings us then fully alive in Christ. Four things, four statements that I want to wrap up with this morning before the worship team comes back. How does worship bring us fully alive in Christ? Well, first, worship welcomes God's manifest presence. Welcome, or excuse me, worship welcomes God's manifest presence. Psalm 22, verse 3, King James Version, reads like this. God inhabits the praises of His people. In other words, let me, let me state it a different way. God hangs out where, he worship, where He's worshipped. So here's a question. Do you want God hanging out in your home? You want God hanging out in your marriage? You want God hanging out in your finances? You want God hanging out in your workplace? The Scripture says that God... God inhabits the praises of His people. In other words, He comes to where worship is happening, and He brings His presence in that place. So worship welcomes the manifest presence of God. Let me talk with you about manifest presence for just a moment. As you look to the the whole of Scripture, you'll find like three different distinctions of God's presence, or three different ways that God's presence is defined. First, there's the amazing presence. The amazing presence. The amazing presence is basically God is everywhere all the time. The word we use to try to explain this is um, He is omnipresent. He's like everywhere all the time. So God's amazing presence. And then there's God's abiding presence, which is like much more personal for us. When you receive Christ as your Savior, when you responded to God's grace and mercy, and you came into a relationship with God, Jesus said, John chapter 14, makes this statement. He says, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. So as a believer, what? You have God with you and in you, the abiding presence. So there's the amazing presence. God is everywhere all the time. There's the abiding presence, but then there's also the manifest presence of God. And what's interesting, if you look at Scripture, the whole of Scripture, you'll find that that most of the time people experience God's manifest presence when they were either praying or worshiping. It's consistent throughout Scripture. 
As individuals were seeking God through prayer or worship, they experienced God's manifest presence. What? His dynamic presence, His dynamic power at work. Numerous illustrations throughout, throughout Scripture, but let me give you one just really quick to illustrate this point of God's manifest presence and how worship welcomes His manifest presence. The story is in Acts 16. Paul and Silas have been out preaching the gospel. They're arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and thrown into prison. Now, I'm giving, you just the, I'm giving you the quick summary of the story. You can read it yourself. But they're thrown in prison. And the Scripture says, not just in prison, they're in the inner cell. Their feet are locked like in chains. And about midnight, in the midst of their horrible situation, about midnight, they begin praying and singing. And the Scripture says the other prisoners were listening as they were praying and singing as they're in prison. And as they were praying and singing, the Scripture says God manifested His presence. There's this dynamic earthquake that happens. Prison doors fly open. Chains fall off. If you read the rest of the story, the jailer and his whole household came into faith. They came, in, they came to know Christ as their Savior. But Acts 16 is an illustration of what happens when individuals worship. What It welcomes God's manifest presence, His dynamic power available in your life. It's the way we connect to the power source so there's god's amazing presence there's god's abiding presence but there's also god's manifest presence that you experience what through through worship bringing us fully alive in christ and secondly as we think about living fully alive in christ worship releases god's kingdom power and authority his kingdom power and authority If you can think of it like this, worship is the means of entering into a partnership with God's almightiness. It's how we enter into a partnership. It's how we join God in His work in our world. We see this in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So Jesus has been crucified, resurrected. The disciples... Uh, out on the mount outside Jerusalem, the disciples encountered Jesus. And the scripture says, when they saw the resurrected Lord, they worshiped him. Here's the disciples beholding Jesus. They bow in worship. And as they're worshiping, catch this, Jesus gives them the great commission. The great commission is, Jesus said, you know, all authority and power has been given to me. I'm giving it to you. Go and make disciples. In other words, as they were worshiping, God says, hey, I'm going to give you kingdom authority and power so that you can go and do my work in your world today. Happened when? As they were worshiping. And we're talking about living fully alive in Christ, but worship connects us to that of God's kingdom power and God's kingdom authority. Not only that, worship transforms our lives, bringing healing, joy, and spiritual growth. So we're talking about what? Being fully alive in Christ. What does worship do? It brings healing, wholeness. Worship brings transformation. Worship brings joy, brings spiritual growth. It happens, what, as we respond, as we open our lives to God's greatness. You know, looking back to Romans 12, the scripture we read earlier, Paul challenges us not to be conformed to this world, but, but to be transformed. And this transformation happens in a lot of different ways. It certainly happens through the application of the truth of God's Word. Transformation happens through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, refining and, and, uh, uh, and guiding us to all truth. But transformation also happens through worship. 
I see worship brings us into the presence of God. And as we come into the presence of God and we hang out with God, then God begins to work in our lives. What does he do? He begins this reshaping, this transforming. That happens when? As, as we worship. You know, so many illustrations, so many stories I could tell you this morning. And I only have time for three quick stories to illustrate this point. But this is about worship happening right here in the sanctuary. This is true stories of individuals who are part of our Grace Covenant family. And stories of what happened, how they were transformed during worship. This one lady sent me an email. And in her, in her email she was telling me about years of rejection that she had experienced. And as a result of the rejection she experienced, she came to a place where she no longer wanted to live. Matter of fact, she was contemplating suicide. There was no hope. There was no life for her. She just thought, wow, this is too much pain. It's not worth it. I'm just going to end my life. In the midst of wrestling through all of that, she showed up at Grace Covenant one Sunday. And it happened to be actually a Sunday. I don't know if you remember. At one point we had some crosses here along the front. And during worship, nobody was praying for her. No one was around her. No one was speaking God's word over her. She was just in worship. And she was captivated by the cross. And as she was in worship, her life was transformed. And she, she said, in the email she wrote to me, she said, Pastor, I, I mean, God just began to heal me from the inside out. She has totally turned my life around. She said, I've gone back to school. I'm, I'm finishing my education. I have direction. I have a great job opportunity. She says, life is like I've never experienced before. Listen, the transformation, the healing happened as she was worshiping. Here's another true story. A gentleman came in on a Sunday morning. He had such pain in his knee he could barely walk. It was like he was noticeably limping as he came in during worship. Nobody around him, nobody praying for him. He was just like responding to God in worship. God like miraculously healed his knee. He came in limping and he went out dancing while he was worshiping. It happened. That's the dynamic. Here's another great story. A lady in our part of our church family for 15 plus years had struggled with homosexuality. Couldn't just like couldn't get free. It was just ongoing struggle in her life, this intense battle. And she was somewhat new to Grace Covenant, so really didn't know how to define the experience she had. But it was a Sunday morning, kind of like this. She was here. She was responding in worship. And this is what she says. She said, Pastor, I don't know how to explain this other than I just felt like something warm running from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I knew instantly that my life had been transformed. She said, interesting, I left the worship service. I went to Home, Home Depot, and I didn't even notice women. I only noticed men. She says, at that point, I knew my life was changed. How did it happen? Listen, it happened through worship. As someone was simply responding to God in worship, God brought freedom in her life. What worship is a means of us coming fully alive in Christ. It brings health. It brings spiritual growth. It brings joy in our lives and for our lives. Lastly, this morning, worship for us brings us fully alive in Christ and that it's a key to effective spiritual warfare. It's a key to effective spiritual warfare. Through worship, we confront and overcome the very strategies of hell set against us. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, 
It reads like this. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with. So listen, we are in a conflict. We have an adversary. His name is Satan. What does he want to do? Jesus said in John 10.10, he wants to wreck your life. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, in your family, in your finances. He just wants to mess you up. Paul says here, we have weapons. Obviously, we have the weapon of God's Word. We overcome by God's Word. We have the weapon of our testimony. We have the weapon of the provision of the blood of the cross. But listen, a powerful weapon for us to stand against and overcome the very strategies of hell set against us is worship. Man, worship enables us to overcome the strategies, the onslaught of what hell would bring against us. A great, a great illustration of this, and I would encourage you to read the whole story, because I'm going to give you the quick summary this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. You've got to read the whole story. But here's the summary. There were three nations. Three nations that joined their forces. They allied their forces, and they were attacking the nation of Israel. The king at the time of the nation of Israel was a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat got the news that three nations were coming against them to annihilate them, he he declared a fast. He called the whole nation to a fast to seek the direction of God and the protection of God. And as they were fasting, God spoke prophetically through a prophet and basically said, Hey, don't worry about this. The battle's not yours. The battle's the Lord's. And then he went on to give further direction. He says, here's your battle strategy. Three nations join their forces. They're coming against you to annihilate you, to totally wipe you out. This is what I want you to do. Don't take the sword. Don't take the spear. Don't take the shield. I want you to go out singing. Send the choir out. Now, everybody was excited about this but the choir. (laughs) But basically, this is what God said to Jehoshaphat. This is the way you're going to do warfare. I want you to send folks out worshiping. I want you to send them out singing. And if you read the story, this is what the scripture says. It says, as the choir went out singing, worshiping, that God set ambushes against the three nations that had allied their forces against Israel. And what appeared to be certain defeat was turned to great victory on the battlefield as they worshiped. Now, obviously this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is a historical account of what happened in the nation of Israel. But I believe it gives us a picture of how we can engage in warfare. I believe one of the most effective ways you and I can do warfare today is to worship. Listen, the adversary is coming against you but to annihilate you, take you out wreck your marriage, to wreck your finances, I mean, there's, to wreck your health. There's multiple ways. So how do we stand against that? I believe that worship is a key. It's a key for us to effective spiritual warfare. To stop the very strategy of hell set against us. So as we think about worship, worship It's critical to us living our lives fully alive in Christ. 
it, it welcomes the manifest presence of God. It, it connects us in partnership to kingdom authority and kingdom power. It opens the way for God to heal and restore, to bring His joy that overflows our lives. It positions, it positions us to live victoriously over the strategies of hell set against us. Listen, worship is about all of that. That's why I said earlier, it's the key. It's the key to living our lives fully alive in Christ. See, the living God dwells where His people worship, and life happens where He dwells. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to engage in that life as, as we conclude in worship. This morning, I didn't want to just talk about worship. I wanted us to engage in worship. And again, there's a lot of different ways you can worship. Singing is not the only way. It's, it's one way. Lifting of hands is a way. Bowing is a way. Clapping is a way. I mean, there's so many different ways we can worship. But I didn't want us today just to talk about what could happen as we worship, how we could come fully alive. But I wanted to give you that opportunity just to say, God, bring your manifest presence in my life. Because listen, I, I don't know what you're facing this morning. Maybe it's a wonderful season. Maybe it's a great season where God's just overflowing your life. If so, man, give him thanks today. Or maybe you're in a place that's really adverse, a place that's really difficult, a place that's really hard, a place that you need breakthrough. You know, there's a scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 that says this, give thanks in all circumstances. Don't just give thanks when it's good. No, we, what we worship in all circumstances. And as we worship, what does it do? It opens the way for God to work. It connects us to the power source. That is the power, the potential of worship, bringing us fully alive. Would you stand with me, Lord? This morning, we come humbly before you. You are the creator. You are the giver of life. You are the almighty living God. Lord, this morning, we simply declare our great need of you. God, we need you every second of every minute, every minute of every hour, every hour of every day, every day of every year. God, we need you. We bring ourselves submitted, surrendered, and worship before you today. Lord, my prayer for myself as well as my friends here this morning, Lord, may worship not just be an event, but may worship be how we do life living our lives, bringing honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.